For all we know, the killer could be sitting right next to you. Welcome back to Scream 101 Podcast. I'm Brennan Klein. And I'm Shannon Chalakian. And if you guessed that today's episode is about the 1983 slasher Sweet 16, you were right! Hooray! Congrats, nerds. And technically, yesterday was my birthday, but we release every Friday, so we're going rogue, just like Sarah Palin did back in the history. Anyway, happy birthday, Brennan. Let's start by saying that. Thank you very much. I turned 21 yesterday. I feel so old. (laughs) Oh, God. We're going to get a lot of flack for that, I'm sure. (laughs) Anyway, uh, let's move on and talk about today's movie. How, how, was this a good birthday present? This uh, wonderful, wonderful movie from, was it 1983? Yes. Actually, I've, uh, let's just say I've given myself better birthday presents before. (laughs) But we'll get into that earlier. Let's uh, start with our 10 words or less reviews. Okay. Which, well, okay. Would you like to explain where you have been for the past two weeks? Yes. So despite the fact that we've come out with podcasts for the last two weeks, I actually have not even been here doing podcasts. That was just from the bank. I have been a camp counselor for two weeks at a uh, math and science camp for girls. Which seems foolish because we just watched Mad Men. Like, did you not pay attention? Oh, no, I did. But it's okay. I I watched out for any sort of um, weird jackal things or crazy werewolf killer that was I, Mad Man. I'm saying both. Okay, fine. Because he looked like a werewolf. With all, all right. his, like, disheveledness. You just have to make sure there is an ample supply of fridges for you to hide in. A- absolutely. I pulled an Ellie. All right, fantastic. So you don't have anything to contribute, so I'll just talk about two of the movies that I watched this past two weeks. My poor Shannonless weeks. All right, real quick. Ten words or less. Dude Bro Party Massacre 3. I donated to this Kickstarter. We all make mistakes. And Sorority Row. A remake that doesn't make me want to spontaneously combust. Oh man, we watched Sorority Row together. I could have done my ten ten word review about Sorority Row. Yeah. Okay. Here, here, here right throw now. Your ten cents. Sorority Row, one of my favorite movies because of the bottle scene. That's it. That's all you need to know. You did a good job. I'm Thank so you. proud of you. Thank you. On the fly. Ta-da. <laughs> Moving on. Segway. 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 Time to go into our discussion. Woo! And of course, as always, there are spoilers. And the plot, as read from the back of the Code Red DVD release, is... When Melissa Morgan, a gorgeous big city girl, moves to a small Texas town, she creates quite a stir with her beauty and promiscuous attitude. She might be 15, going on 25, but all the boys at her new school are still anxious to get to know her. Shortly after her arrival, Melissa's dates start ending up dead. When the younger brother of a local Hellraiser ends up dead, Melissa looks like the likely suspect. The town sheriff must try to solve the killings before the killer strikes again. Along to help him is his Nancy Drewish daughter. What secret will be revealed when Melissa turns Sweet Sixteen? Anyway, so as we do here on our podcast, we have uh, four different ratings. We have scariness, campiness, gore, and quality. And, Brennan, why don't you tell us, tell uh, our gentle viewers about our updated 
version of our okay. scoring for this podcast. Well, today is our super special, super duper chocolatey coated birthday episode because I love me and today is my birthday. Yesterday <laughs> is my birthday. And so we're doing a super special awesome birthday episode. So each of our regular scores will be swapped out for a birthday themed score and we'll get to them as we go along to each of them. And don't worry, it'll only happen for this episode. <laughs> yeah. It, but they're super cool, so don't worry about it, and everything's awesome always. So let's start off with scariness. Shannon, what would you rate it out of scariness? I rated it a 2 out of 5, and the only reason I rated Wait, it... 2 out of 5 what, Shannon? 2 out of 5 clowns. Yeah, because bir birthday. Birthday. Okay. okay. 2 out of 5 clowns. And I only rated it that because there was a terrifying part um, at the end, again, spoilers, um, when the mother ends up, you know, as the killer, killing people, that she's, like, screaming and looking straight into the camera, and I was, like, genuinely terrified for half a second. That is a really great scene, and I gotta say, I predicted it, because there's one line in the beginning where the, her friend is like, hey, how's your sister? And I'm like, they wouldn't have written that if that wasn't super important. Anyway, sorry, I'm just bragging. But it's my birthday, so I can do what I want. Ha, birthday card. Anyway, scariness, I rated it one out of five clowns. And it just... I hate to break it to you guys, it wasn't a very exciting movie. It was it was a very cop procedural movie. There wasn't a lot going on, really, to speak of. Yeah, and even though it had some good elements of, of the slasher genre, like it had a really cool weapon, and it had some really interesting kind of mystery aspects, and, and like like they said, not Nancy Drewish aspects, It the gore sucked. We're talking about that soon. The gore sucked, and I just, it was boring. It was not... I mean, it wasn't really boring, actually. I'll take that back. It wasn't really boring. It was just, uh... It was low-key. Yeah. It was from 1983. There wasn't a lot going on. Yeah, that's what I meant. They didn't have a lot of money. It was yeah. just kind of there. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, if you look at, at House on Sorority Row, which is also 1983, that's completely different. Like, completely on its head. Yeah, but that movie is such an anomaly, though, because the rest of the year was kind of crap. Mm, okay. Mm -hmm. All right, so campiness. What did you rate it, Shannon? So gaminess, I I rated it two out of five SpongeBob pinatas. Yeah, you did. <laughs> and I rated it that just because, again, true to eighties form, and probably just because one of my favorite characters, Marcy, her hair changed every single scene. If her hair didn't change every single scene, then it, I would have like overlooked it. But it was just it was wonderful. She pulled it off. No, it's true. It went from, like, Farrah Fawcett hair to a librarian bob to this enormous fountain of youth. It was really, really interesting. Mm hmm And I gave it two out of five Spongebob pinatas as well, partially because of Marcy, because the actress Dana Kamel, who was the also the final girl in Friday the 13th Part 3, which was part of last week's clue, so if you got it, congratulations, she's slightly older than her character is supposed to be, so they just slap a butt-ton of rouge on her cheeks in every single scene, and it looks like mm. they just smacked her around before every take. And also, also speaking of makeup, the character of Melissa, who's like the sexy girl, she does everything. Full cake makeup, smoky eyes. She goes to sleep with smoky eyes. She takes a shower with smoky eyes. She does She's her like, makeup with smoky eyes? Yeah. Yeah. She puts on makeup with full makeup on. She's like a drag queen. Yeah, like... It wasn't particularly super 80s, but it was slightly campy, so 2 out of 5. So, Brennan, what did you rate your gore rating? Alright, uh, for the gore, I rated it 1 out of 5 cake-slicing disasters. How about you? I agree. 1 out of 5 cake-slicing disasters. It, there wasn't anything gory about it. We saw blood, but 
I could slightly. cut my finger and you could see blood. That wouldn't make me a horror movie. I mean... <laughs> That's true. Yeah, mo most of the kills are exactly the same. It's just... It's very psycho. Like, someone raises a knife in the air, you see some stabs, cut away to something else. It's really dull. Everything's exactly the same. And in the beginning, Marcy is reading a mystery book, and she's like, the gardener did it with a rake. How could you kill somebody with a rake? And I'm like, wow, I hope we see someone get killed with a rake. That'd be really exciting. And never happens. Screw this movie. I'm so mad. That would have been the best. I, honestly, like, recut, recut the movie, throw in a random character not relevant to the plot, just like they did in uh, House and Sorority Row. There's and flying just, squirrels in here, and yeah. a rake just flies into the screen. And just kills hits them. Hits them in the face. It'd be a perfect movie, 10 out of 10. It'd be, it'd be great. So next, quality, what did you rate it? I rated it 2 out of 5 presents because there was some slightly interesting stuff about racial tension in this movie, which was very, very strange. There was like the idea of um, how Native Americans are treated in places that have reservations, but a predominantly white community. And there was the ideas about placing the blame for major crimes on minority people and the idea of lynching. And it was totally out of nowhere and it wasn't totally treated with the respect that it deserves, but it was there mm -hmm. and they were interacting with it. And I was like, all right, you're doing this slasher movie. Good for you. Cool. Yeah, I rated it the same. Two out of five stars. One of the reasons being that there... I mean, the plot was good. There was um, some good characters. There was good dialogue. It, it was less campy and more serious. And uh, they did a good job as far as t um, pulling the, the narrative along. There were a lot of characters. so And sometimes they kind of like melded together a little bit. Uh, I think... And you were talking about how uh, Marcy seemed older than she was. I do remember one scene where I thought that she was playing... I thought I mixed up Marcy and Melissa's mother. Oh, yeah. But in reality, it was like, oh, wait, no, that's Marcy. Whoops. You know? So some of that was a little all over the place. But for the most part, the story was really good. Yeah, like there actually was a story. Mm-hmm. So that was... It was... It, it was, was... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like the kills were nothing. It wasn't super campy. It wasn't scary at all. But as a movie, it was like... Uh, yeah that is our we could put that on the back of the dvd this is probably the best review this movie has uh yeah i mean it's kind of how i feel about being 21 just uh yeah on the back of the dvd brennan and shannon two thumbs uh. <laughs> so let's jump straight on into one of our favorite segments ever in the entire world champion dialogue shannon would you like to lead our audience into your favorite line absolutely this will come as no surprise to brennan but uh, one of my favorite lines comes from, and we'll talk about this later, my favorite character, Kathy. Essentially, she's this kind of like, de like detached from the real storyline, um, only interested in doing her job and... She, she, she's the records clerk that works for the police station. Yeah, but in like a different county. Yeah. Like, like separate. Um, but she's like only, only interested in boning the sheriff and, and eating food and, uh, and doing her job. It's great. She's a independent kind of woman. And so there's just this line and it's kind of a standalone line after, um, Kathy and the sheriff are on the phone with each other and they hang up. Why does he always laugh when I propose? And basically, apparently she proposes to this guy every single time they talk on the phone because she just super wants to nail him down and nail him. Yeah, pretty much. Brennan, what was your favorite line? Okay, my favorite line is... Well, you took the best one. I know. But the second best line in this movie is from Marcy. And she and her dad, 
and well, and Hank, who's her brother, but Hank is unimportant to anything, and he's a dumbass who decides to go skinny dipping when there's a maniac on the loose. He's a wet hanky. Oh God, you're right. And he, there's they give Melissa a handkerchief, right. which is the worst birthday present Literally, ever. Like here, take my brother. Like have a Hank. Like yeah, like I want to blow my nose on him is what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, so they're driving around and they're like they found a boy dead on the Indian reservation. And why would he be there? And she's just, well, this is the conversation that they're having. And here you go. Well, uh, I'm sure they went up to the reservation. Hey, you two. You know you're not supposed to go up there. That's sacred Indian ground, and plus it's private property. Dad, everybody goes up there. I personally have never been up there, though. And I just think that that conversation is so universal between teens and their parents and it just really struck me i think it's really funny yeah absolutely especially because we all know that our parents were in the same situation prior etc 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 yeah everybody has this conversation at some point in their lives but not every conversation involves an indian burial ground it's true um next is our favorite characters and i think we telegraphed them pretty easily but what was yours so my favorite character was kathy and we talked about that prior and i just think it's a really interesting narrative when we have a uh, non-traditional romance going on. So you've got a single, divorced, probably widowed, widow, widower, widowered father. Yeah, I mean, he has two kids, so presumably yeah. there was a uterus Death. involved at some point. Right, right. Yeah, this wasn't an alien movie, so no, no shenanigans like that. But, um, you know, and it shows the sheriff as a person who has a person who is interested in him and adds another dimension. And honestly, the sheriff's character is one of the best characters in, in the movie. He's we, cute, too. He is. He is. He's very uh, Harrison Ford, and he's got a good head on his shoulders, and he's just very kind of good old good old boy. Good old boy. And, yeah. And so then Kathy is, is kind of a little more, more rambunctious than he is, and I think that's what exactly what he needed in his life and what he needs now in his life. And I'm really bummed that it, the movie didn't end with uh, her proposing and him saying yes. We'll have to make a sequel. Indeed. Just for that. <laughs> All right. And my favorite character is Marcy, who is played by Dana Kamel, who frankly, I think is a much better actress in this movie than Friday the 13th Part 3. But she does have to deal with people named Jason who have lost their mothers in both movies, which I think is interesting hmm. because the Native American kid is named Jason, who's like one of the suspects. So I swear his name was Gay Son at the beginning. Anyway, I, sorry. <laughs> Side note. Anyway, I just I love her because she's this spunky teen chick, and she like she has all of these super cool things that she could be doing. Like she could go be like hanging out with the football boys. She could go be like sneaking out and drinking with her party friends. She could go to this sweet sixteen party, but all she wants to do is go investigate murders with her dad because she loves reading mystery novels, and she wants to be Nancy Drew. And she's better at solving the mystery than her dad is. And she knows all the SOP and, like, all the lingo. Mm -hmm. And she's like, ah, oh, what's the perp doing now? And she's practically, like, smoking a cigarette and having a trench coat. And she's really cool. Yeah, it nearly went black and white. Like, it was going to go full film noir. And even in the in the back of the DVD disc, there was that standalone line where it was, like, the sheriff and his Nancy Drew yeah. daughter. Notice how they never talked about... Yeah, they don't talk about Hanky. <laughs> never. Little Hanky-Panky over there. he's useless even though he's in almost an equal amount of scenes as marcy is it's true they have a weird like almost folgers-esque relationship between the two of them <laughs> no the best one... part of waking up is marcy in your cup we're not including that in the podcast we are including it in the podcast oh no 
Oh, let's get on to favorite scene. My favorite scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't have one written down. So I want. I think. I think my one of my favorite scenes was when we find out who the killer is because she's just losing it, and for a while, like you don't even know what's going on, and they're all using different names. Like the sheriff's calling her Trisha, and and Jody, and isn't her name Joanna? And you're like what is going on? Like, those are three different people's names. <laughs> and then you're like, wait, is it her twin sister? Like, are they twins? So she's just, like, the evil twin that they kept in a cupboard and she got out somehow and started killing people. And it was really confusing. But I think I love the scene because the actress... I don't know her name. Do you know her name? I don't. Okay. The actress who played it did an awesome job and just went kind of bat crazy. Bat <laughs> guano crazy. I was honestly terrified just being kind of close to that like the presence of that person just screaming at the screen she was the best actress in the film it's true yeah and my favorite scene involves your favorite character it's when the sheriff is trying to look up all the microfiche <laughs> and discover the secret behind melissa's mom mm -hmm. and he does discover that she had a twin sister who died in a mental hospital and she kind of like took on her identity and is trying to protect her daughter and, like, kill her father in her mind. She's insane. It's a whole thing. It's a slasher movie. But did you know that that was happening? Like, when he yeah. was discovering these things, did you, like, cognitively put that together? Yes, but only because I've seen 800,000 million of these things. Okay. Th this tends to happen. Right. They're like soap operas. Like, I understand that, but I, I couldn't have gathered based on... Anyway, move on. So well, no. Scene. Well, like I said, that one line in the beginning, because he was like, how's your sister? And she was like... She's fine. I was like, oh, she has a dead twin sister. She's <laughs> killing everyone. <laughs> All right, keep going. Anyway, um, my favorite scene is when he's trying to investi investigate the murder on the microfiche, and Kathy's just like, if we were at a steak dinner right about now, I would be slathering my potato with butter and chives and all this stuff. And she's just so just laying it on thick, and I don't mean the chives. And... She's just having a great time, and I love her so much. She knows what she wants. And she's not even being sexy about it. Like, she's not She's not saying that her potato is a metaphor. No, it's she's, not. She's She literally wants that potato and that steak. She's, like, so hungry and not thirsty. Yeah. It's and, great. And then when he discovers the identity of the murderer, and he's like, all right, baby, I need to go. And she's like, I love you. Goodbye. Please marry me. <laughs> Honestly, though. And I love it because she's just so, I don't know. She's, like, so comfortable. She's, like, so secure in herself. It's true. She's, you know? she's awesome. It's great. That's she, she's my two out of five presents. She's my favorite. All right, now it's time for everybody's awesome time. The Splatter Dome. Is it those words? Everybody's awesome time? Whatever. It's my birthday. Okay. Splatter. And now a moment of silence for those who have departed us. Johnny is stabbed to death. Tommy is also stabbed to death. Greyfeather is hanged. Billy is stabbed in the back. Billy's friend is stabbed to death. Trisha, or Joanne, or Jobeth, or Jinky Junk, stabs herself in the gut. Alright Shannon, so what was your best kill out of those six kills? It's a paltry movie. I am abstaining from this category. That's fair. Because all of the kills were horrible. And basically the same. Yeah, all of them were horrible. So I abstain. Okay. What about you? My best kill, I just picked Billy because Billy was a douchebag and I wanted him to die. Mm. He was the one that um, lynched the Native American old man that he blamed for the death of his little brother. Which I was like, 
you're grieving. Okay, but also you're the worst person alive, and you're super racist, and you don't deserve to live. So, okay. Yeah. That's fine. Sounds good to me. And, okay, if you could resurrect one of the douchebags who dies in this movie, using one of my birthday wishes that I generously grant to you, right? who would you choose? How about Joanne's sister? <laughs> I know she doesn't, doesn't get, actually get killed in the movie, but, you know, everything would be saved if, like, her sister was still alive. It's true. They both should be in a mental institution, obviously, but, mm. you know, maybe that could have saved things. All right, fair enough. And I would resurrect Greyfeather, who's the Native American that got lynched, because no one deserves that. That's awful. That's true. And he, he literally did nothing, all film. Like, yeah. just, just existed. Yeah, he existed in the wrong place at the wrong time all the time, which kind of sucks. Which is called racism. Yeah. But it's kind of a grim movie whenever it kind of combated that kind of theme. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'd resurrect Greyfeather with my birthday wish. I'm going to blow out my candle right now. All right, so out of the people that are still alive at the end of this movie, who would you kill? Who would you strike down? I noticed that we're the same, but probably, probably Dale Demodome. Okay, yeah. Um, okay, just to clarify, there's a character named George Martin in this movie, and he's not George R.R. R. Martin, because, j just to clear up any confusion, George R.R. R. Martin is the guy who kills off everybody else in Game of Thrones. Right. George Martin is the guy we want to kill most often in this movie. Right. He's the, like, a town administrator person, and... Yeah, I was confused on his role in general. He just was, like, around. He was just... I think he was, like, a local politician. He was just kind of um, out and about, stirring things up, asking questions, etc. And he... He has this get-up when he goes to the party, and it's, like, this white suit with a blue shirt and a white hat, and he just looks... Like, so obnoxious. Yeah, everybody in this movie had one article of clothing that was, like, Veruca Salt. No, um, oh, shoot. What was Violet from uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Like, yeah, that like shade that blue. of blueberry blue. And I, I really want to know, I honestly think that, that that was, like, a color scheme. Like, they wanted to do that for a reason, and I want to know why. Like, because it was everywhere, the color. It's interesting. Maybe it just represents, like, the, the still waters run deep. In a small town, you know? I guess maybe. I mean, even the sheriff wore this, like, Back to the Future puffy oh, God. vest over his shirt. And there was no point where he put it on. Like, there wasn't... Like, <laughs> no one said that they were cold. Like, there was no reason he should be wearing it over his brown shirt. And he was inside. He was inside. So I'm just like, what? Someone obviously was like, oh, we need blue in this scene. Here, take this vest. You know? It was just like, what? What are you doing with your life? Uh, it's too much. Yeah. Dabadidabadai. So... <laughs> exactly. So I definitely would uh, would kill him, and I know you would too. Yeah, I'd kill the vest too. Yeah, but you know, you could shoot as many times as you want; it'll still be that puffy. Ugh. All right. So we're actually trying out two new games this time. We are treating you right. Yeah, we're treating you like a queen, everybody. All right, because this is my twenty-first birthday, we're basing all of our games around regular drinking games that you would find at a normal 21st birthday party. And because it is against the Geneva Concord of podcast decorum to get drunk while recording a podcast, and also neither of us actually imbibe alcohol, we're not going to get too turnt while doing our games. We're not getting turned at all. Although I well, although I kind of feel like it, because it's like 11 p.m. while we're recording this. Yeah, we're drunk on sleep deprivation. But I feel like... The Geneva Concord is a lie because most of the podcasts that are on 
pretty high on on iTunes right now are just people getting drunk and talking about things. So mm. maybe we should think about that. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> or we can think about the games that you're gonna do. So okay, basically the games that we have are variations on classic drinking games. So the first one that we have is a variation on King's Cup. Are you ready, Shannon? So ready. We're gonna explain the rules. This game is based on the round in King's Cup called Categories, which happens when you pick a 10, I believe, the card 10. And what happens is you pick a category and everybody goes back and forth and they have to list one item out of each category. And if someone can't say one of those items, they lose. Does that make sense? Sure. So, like, um, they'll say colors, and you go blue, red, green, yellow, and if I can't name a color, I lose. Okay, let's try it. We will see. Okay, so what we're going to do is 80s horror tropes that are in this movie. Okay. Okay? So I'm going to start, and we each have, let's say, five seconds to come up with a trope, and whoever can't come up with something is out. All right. All right, are you ready? Sure. I will start. An Indian burial ground. Uh, homoeroticism. A song named after the main character. Uh, skinny dipping in a, in a lake. Uh, wandering off alone. Uh, drinking excessively. Um, character getting a cop getting locked in the jail cell. Um, a character that barely speaks at all and is kind of creepy, so could be the killer. A special holiday that the movie centers around. Um, um, uh, hot mom. <laughs> Hotmom.com. All right, so are, uh, are I, you out? I think I lost. Okay, that was that was cool. That was fun. That was pretty good. We we did pretty good on that. We might yeah. have to bring that back as a regular game. Yeah, I think we'll have to bring that back. That was fun. All right. So what's the second game? All right, the second game is a variation on beer pong, and I'm gonna have to explain this one yeah, pretty it, hard. Yeah, it's a bit of a stretch, but it makes it it's gonna be good. I don't okay. know. Okay, well, if any of you have played beer pong, and let's be honest, you have, the point of beer pong is that every time you uh, score a point on the other team, they have to drink a beer, which means that they get slightly more drunk, which handicaps them, because being drunk makes it harder to play beer pong. So basically what happens is Shannon is going to give me a lightning round of trivia questions based on Sweet 16. So for every trivia question I get wrong, I'm going to put a marshmallow in my mouth, which makes it harder to answer the next trivia question. Yes. And more ridiculous and more fun for you guys, I hope. And that is our version of beer pong. It's marshmallow lightning. Right. Yeah. 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 All right, Shannon, Game Master Shannon, are you ready? I'm so ready, but are you? I'm so ready to shove these marshmallows in my mouth because I feel like you made this game super hard. I'm trying. We'll see. All right. So... First question. Oh god, okay. What was hanging from the sheriff's rearview mirror? Oh, was it dice? No. Oh. It was a radio. Oh, what the hell? Mm -hmm. Okay. I'll... Alright, number two. What kind of bugs are like the sheriff quotes, like blank on ship? Okay, uh, June bugs. That's true. Good job. Number three. What side and what percentage Indian is Sheriff Dan? Uh, 50%. His mother's side? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I'm right. super Good cool. Mm -hmm. What color is the folder that Mr. Martin fans himself with? Is it blueberry blue? It is. Is it really? It is. Holy crap. That's what I'm saying, it's everywhere. It's a theme. 
Okay, last question. I obviously didn't make this hard enough. So okay. I'm still stumping you. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. What is Jason's last name? Oh, God. Is something like Hawk Hill? No. What is it? Long Shadow. Long Shadow. Oh, God, I remember that because he's super tall. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm going to put this next one in my mouth for the recommendation. Oh. Okay, good. All right, Shannon, what's your recommendation? So my recommendation is happy birthday to me, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, my, that's my recommendation because we watched it for Brennan's 19th birthday. He does this every year. And uh, it was really good. I was actually surprised at how good it was. And I should have been paying attention more because I feel like I reference that movie a lot when we're talking about other horror movies. And there were some really amazing kills in it. It's true. It's very creative. It's super fun. Mm -hmm. It's Canadian and they make the best stuff. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. <laughs> All right. And my recommendation is another birthday flick from 1981. It's called Bloody Birthday. And it's about a whole bunch of kids that are born during a lunar eclipse, which means that they're born without consciences, and they just start killing all the people in this town. Right, of course, because moons and consciences. That's... It's just how it works, you know? Right. And uh, one of the actresses in this film, who takes her top off because it's the 80s, is Julie Brown. And not downtown Julie Brown from MTV, but Julie Brown from the parody music video, The Homecoming Queen's Got a Gun which is hilarious. Not so funny now in the mid-2010s, now that school shootings are so rampant, but it's still really funny. Yeah. Okay, anyway. So how can you contact us? So many ways. I'm just going to say Google us at this point. Google us, Aha! Scream 101 Podcasts, and that's going to save us a solid minute of me going through all of, oh our, my God, all of our contact information. Um, but on iTunes, subscribe, rate. We would love to hear from you. All right, so... And, and you can email us at scream101podcast at gmail.com with recommendations, with insults, with comments, concerns, and please email us. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from anyone who enjoys the show. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we have a clue. Our next episode is a very, very special interview episode with... Someone super cool that we're really excited to meet who is larger than life-size. Really, he's just the perfect man. We're really excited to meet him. Scream 101 Podcast is produced by myself, Shannon Shalakian, and my best friend, Brennan Klein. Yay. And we usually have help from, for sound engineering from our good friend, Lucas Cathy, but he has been away because it is summer, so people are keep going and uh, coming, which is why our podcast sounds like it usually does instead of the amazing vocal... Um, explosion that comes from when he is sound engineering for us. That's why we don't sound like Cher this week. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Jeff! <laughs> anyway, uh, we are going to really enjoy having him back and um, doing having better sound coming soon. Lucas, we miss you. We miss you. Anyway, Brennan, what is the song for this week? And we will be playing you out with Melissa. Sung by Frank Sparks, with music and lyrics by Joel and Mark Wurtzman from the Sweet Sixteen soundtrack. Melissa, such a lovely girl, Melissa, locked inside a world, Melissa, the darker side of
Bye. Bye.